Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide right to your front door. And now, here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. Tennis.com podcast here again. I am Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner. And we're going to look at this weekend's Fed Cup final, the last women's event of the year, if discounting the... Uh, the Bali Commonwealth Championships that never, I don't think is ever going to really get off the board. That's I thought all the runner-ups played Doha. <laughs> yes. The, the, the third, that's like the third, third tier. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a little desolate field, but tell you what, though, I wish I were in San Diego for this Fed cup because the way it's raining in New York today makes you think uh, San Diego would not be a bad assignment. No, no, no. We will have, I, will, I should mention right now on tennis.com, we will have reports there from Cindy Schmerler, and we'll have reaction during the weekend on the Racket Reaction blog, um, you know, throughout the, tie, throughout the tie. So check out the site throughout the weekend. We'll get on that. But today we're just going to... Don't forget Bobby. Bobby Chintapali also. On the Pete's Tennis World blog as well. So lots of stuff on tennis.com. Today we're going to discuss the the uh the the tie itself the draws have not come out yet they don't come out until friday but but we have a good idea of who is going to be playing singles this is pretty much the exact same matchup as last year's final the same teams last year the u.s went into the final with italy without the williams sisters and they ran out melanie udan bethany maddock uh, bethany maddock sands those two are going to be playing singles i'm almost sure of with the with liesel huber sort of in reserve in case the doubles is is you know becomes necessary. We should tell our listeners though the downside is we were nine and zero against Italy before that, and uh, now we're nine and one against Italy. We got whitewashed for zip, yeah, you know, only, last time. So and the one that mattered the most there, and then for Italy it's going to be Flavia Panetta, top fifteen player for top twenty player for quite a while, and Francesca Schiavone who will be in the singles. Schiavone had a career year, won the French Open, made Doha. So I guess we'll start off with. Uh, Steve's going to preview this tomorrow on the website, so we'll start with Pete and just see what you think of this matchup as a whole. Without the Williams sisters, does the U.S. can the U.S. win this? We'll start off right there. Well, it's funny. Um, you'd have to be absolutely loopy to say, well, they're better off without the Williams sisters. That's crazy. I mean, you know, either Venus or Serena, preferably both, would be a great addition. The U.S. team would certainly, you know, balance the balance the odds, you know, quite well and make us a favorite. No question about that. But you know, this is Fed Cup. Let's remember, it's like Davis Cup, and you know, emotion plays into this. Team spirit plays into this. And you know, I think the team spirit on the U on this U.S. team is really good. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a siege mentality and i think that's what the u.s team probably is experiencing you know there it's a little bit like okay venus and serena sort of you know backed out on us again granted they're injured etc but you know uh said so here we are you know we got to try to do it ourselves we want a little payback we got we got crushed last time and you know granted the talent level isn't there on paper the italians you know are, are prohibitive favorites but it is fed cup team spirit counts you know um and so it'll be interesting to see. Udan and Maddox Sands have each they've each come up as heroes in in past Fed Cup Fed Cup ties. They've they've won them for uh, Captain Mary Jo Fernandez, and they've played some of their best tennis uh, in this format. Um, I guess you have to look at last year's. It's not a good sign. They, the the Italians beat a similar team 4-0, but that was on clay, and that was that was in Italy. This is a different atmosphere, a different surface. Um, I still think. You have to like the Italians, but this is a this is a you know while it's not it's not as high profile a, a tie as it would be if the Williams sisters had been there. This is still this still should be entertaining. I would I would expect the the Americans to make it interesting. Yeah, 
I don't think, uh, like you're saying, guys, saying I don't think motivation is a problem whatsoever for this U.S. team for so many reasons. They lost last year. This is their chance to show that they are, you know, they they carry the team to this point already. It's without the Williams sisters, and in particular, I have to say, even though this is a team competition, the individual what's on the line for Melanie Udan, I was thinking this might be a really big. She had obviously the the big breakthrough last year at the U.S. Open. This year, there was a lot of expectations levied on her. It didn't turn out the way she wanted this year. And during the summer stretch, the Open, she was kind of a non-story, really. But if she were to somehow come through and maybe post a big singles win for the U.S., this would put, I have to say, quite a stamp on this year for her and really make up, I think, for a lot of things. So I think the U.S. team has so much behind it that it can – there's a lot for them to play for, but in particular yeah, I think, Udan. I think Udan, yeah, I think that's true for Udan. You can, I mean, you can look at it two ways. She can almost salvage her season or make something of a of a disappointing season. But on the other hand, I feel like we've said this a, a, about her at different events in the past. Like, here's a chance for her to do this. Here's a chance for her to do that, and it, it hasn't come through. I, you know, it would be it would be nice to see. It'd be nice to see for her, but um, it'll take a it'll take a special effort. Unfortunately, you can flip that equation around too for the Italians, and I think it's pretty. I would be care- careful about Schiavone in this tie because she came very close to backing up that French Open performance at the U.S. Open. You know, she went out there. She played a pretty tough match against Serena, I guess. And, um, you know, she, she didn't get it done. You know, she she played yeah, her Venus. heart out. Uh, I'm sorry, against yeah. Venus. Yeah. And she, she had a very, very good tournament. She crushed people on the way. So, you know, she came, you know, just this close to really making another big statement at the U.S. Open. This would be a great way for her to close the year because the Italians, you know, love Fed Cup. This particular team, it means a lot to them. They have great team. They have great team spirit, just like the Americans. So, you know, they're not giving up a lot of ground in terms of potential motivations. I can't imagine Schiavone would like anything better than to finish this year with another strong statement, you know, completing her career. Yeah, when we talked about players of the year, WTA, I remember we mentioned Schiavone because she had maybe her one performance. Yeah, maybe the performance of the year at the French. But really, she has done a lot more than that. If she could somehow, if she could give them their second consecutive effect of tie on a row. It's, it's one of the best years. Panetta also sure. comes in on a, um, on somewhat of a high note. They, she won and finished number one in doubles. Uh, they won in Doha with, with Dolko. She won't play with her obviously, but, but she does come in with a, some positive, positive energy to this. To yeah, this unfortunately tie. that doubles though, it's only going to be in playing a fifth match. And like Ed said before, you know, it's either going to be the decisive match or it's going to be a meaningless match. Uh, I'm just it, thinking for her for even for singles as well. She comes in with some sort of, some sort of positive, um, you know, a positive win, whatever it was, whatever it was in doubles or singles. Oh, yeah, she's got to be feeling pretty good. She had a reasonable singles year again. One interesting thing to me is, you know, a lot of times Davis Cup and Fed Cup, a lot is decided in a week of practice, and I haven't heard very much. I haven't spoken to anybody out there, so I haven't heard very much about how the practice is going. I mean, I, I you got to assume that because Coco Vandewey had a pretty good pretty good U.S. Open there. Now, if, if Vandewey is out there, let, you know, let's say Udan or or, or Bethany is, is having a little trouble finding finding her game, and Vandewey is really playing great. I wouldn't put it past Mary Jo Fernandez to put Coco Vandewey in to play singles. I mean, I think that's I think that's a realistic possibility based upon what's been going on in San Diego in the past three or four days. And maybe, in particular, I think I don't I think I think that's possible for I think say let's say Maddox stunk it up on Saturday. I could I would see I wouldn't see her game taken out, but if Udan maybe had a poor single showing cuz she you know she's shown I think some mental fragility this past year and, and Vandeweghe I think had just as good a season if not better yep. than Udan actually. So that I think that's possible. It would be I don't think it'd be in the US best interest if that's what it came to, but I think that's definitely possible. And then 
one more note about the doubles is when if if the U.S. could get to that point, I did forget about Panetta having such an accomplished doubles player, but the U.S. would have a big secret weapon. Card. Here comes a secret weapon. They would have a big doubles <laughs> trump card in Liesl Huber, who would give them a big boost in that. She would come in totally fresh to that particular match, and it with the Fed Cup, the the doubles is not only the last match, unlike the the Davis Cup, it comes after both singles matches on the same day, which puts a lot of pressure on players who have already competed on Sunday. So. Yeah, it's physically pretty demanding for them. So yeah, no, I think I think if the U.S. can get it to the doubles, you know, I mean, you got you got to think we've got to, you know, we, we're in with a real shot. Yeah. The question is, can they get it there? Shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices. The Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear. Shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them a candy store for tennis players. Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. All right, so we talked about the final little bit. Steve is going to write on the final little preview on Friday on the website, so, ch- so check that out for his prediction. And so I'll leave leave the last word on the Fed Cup final to you, uh, Pete. What uh, what do you think will happen this one? Well, I think the Italians are going to win it. I think the U.S. maybe is good for one singles one singles uh, uh, win. Uh, the only the only qualifier I put on that is if they put Vandeweghe in. You know, it's it's an interesting to me. It's a real compelling kind of a potential scenario. If Vandeweghe goes in, then um, then I would I would I would say maybe it could be stretched if she plays well. But basically, you look big at the server hardcore it. Exactly. It could happen, yeah. All right, we'll close on, on Fed Cup for now. Obviously, a lot more coming this weekend. But we want to talk about an issue that has come up also this past week, an, an on and off-court issue, but we're still getting news all the time in tennis year-round. It was Christoph Rokas who mentioned to a newspaper that he believes that he's he's going to be retiring. And he kind of his last, uh, his swan song, his parting words were about doping in tennis, performance enhancing drugs in tennis, just cheating in the game, basically. And he said in more or less that there's a lot of it in the sport. He kind of put forth a an example of it, even though it wasn't oh, even though it wasn't a uh, very concrete one at all. And we and both of you guys talked about this recently. Uh, does this have any credibility? Is this something that you, that makes you want well, to suggest there is he's something the, more to look at? I mean, no, Rokas is—he's not the final word on anything. I mean, he—he he doesn't come up with any <laughs> doesn't come up that. with any um, any evidence, which is which is almost strange if you're going to bring it up not to have something more than just a note. It doesn't even approach a circumstantial, from what I've read. But at the same time, he does have a point, I think, in saying that we hear a lot about how often the players are tested. But they're tested mostly in competition, and you know he says it's possible to evade the testing system because the out-of-competition uh, testing is is not fantastic. It's, it does have holes. They're not tested that often. It's very expensive to do, and the ITF has a, you know has a limited amount of amount of money to to do it, and there also is no blood testing out of competition. So, even though Rokas, there's no reason to to particularly believe him. He does shine a light on something I think that 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 tennis fans should 
should recognize. Hey, look, I mean, look, we all know there's doping in tennis. There's there's a record of doping in tennis, and and it's and it's involved some relatively big names, at least in terms of you know top hundred type players and guys who vie for Grand Slam titles. Mariana Puerto, you know, comes right to mind. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're you know this this thing with the testing. One thing I, I know a lot of readers at my website where where I wrote about this yesterday, where you know we're, we're you know we're sort of up in arms and thinking, well, the ITF isn't doing enough testing regimen, as as Rokas says is not strict enough and severe enough or comprehensive enough. Well, I talked to Barbara Travers this morning from the ITF and she said, you know, one thing she wanted to convey to readers and listeners is that, you know, the, the, the anti-doping, the ITF has a, has a doping page on its website. You can go there and it's, they have complete transparency. You know, I mean, you could see, you know, um, what the regimen is, you can see, uh, how many people have been suspended, all this other stuff. So I, I don't know, you know, it's a little bit like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to test every day. I mean, and you know, and even on that, I, I'm, I'm, I've, in the past year or so, I, we've heard a couple of accounts from guys like Andy Murray or so and Roddick how the testing does seem to be very intrusive, and it's kind of, you know, it, it seems like they are doing as much as they possibly can to do it, but. It's, you know, it is. But one point. thing we should we should say is that the ITF takes off. They don't list the missed tests. There was a document that was that came out that showed all the missed tests, and about a quarter of the out of competition tests were came back with no result at all. And that's not on the ITF's official site. So they so there there are more sort of holes in it than maybe than maybe we've been led to believe. Yeah, and and one thing that you mentioned, Steve, before I think that to me is the thing that I can't get out of my mind is that. We've had suspicion in other sports, you know, baseball, um, cycling, example. We've had suspicion for a long time, and eventually, eventually some, came something always tends to happen. Right. You know, it may take a little while down the road, but there's usually that's a, that's fire the thing. where there's smoke in these things. That's where I, I feel like. I don't see any smoke though. The only I see people saying that there's doping in tennis. Look at look at Nadal's biceps, or there's doping in tennis. Look at look at how Kim Kleister's calf muscles bulge. I mean, that's what I. That's the only smoke I see, and no, to me, that's not smoke. I think you smoke. can say is that the players are more muscular, and they, they do have, I would think, I think, better endurance levels. That's not proof of anything itself, but, but those are those are things, those are noticeable things you can observe. Look, we know there's doping. I mean, let's you know. I want to be clear about that because I'm, you know, I find myself on the side of this argument where I'm defending sort of the ITF and and the status quo, which doesn't make me especially comfortable. But we know there's doping in tennis. But that, you know, but but if you look at the, you know, the cases that have been bought, you look at the people who've been busted. Nobody nobody would ever take a picture of Mariano Puerta and say this guy's a doper. Nobody would ever say, look at that guy. Look oh, at the way he's no, running no, like no. a jackrabbit. He's got so much stamina. He went five sets in seven hours. Nobody ever said that. That was a doper, though. So there's your doper. So now, or Wayno Desnick, or Wayno Desnick. You know, you, you, that that's the funny thing about this is there's absolutely no correlation in between reality and people's, you know, wild imaginings about what they is, assume is doping. You know, they're they're pick, it's totally random. So it just is a very very dangerous thing. It's guilty until proven innocent, which is a terrible thing to put anybody under. And uh, you know, I think it was very stupid of Roaches to make those comments. Now, do you? The last thing, do you think this will – do you think we'll be hearing more about this from other players as a result of what Roka said or a little more investigation? I don't know. I mean this is like – there's been five or six sort of players of his level, Escude, uh, Bupati, they've, who have said similar things, and it hasn't become more widespread. You know, every, 
maybe every couple of years, somebody somebody around that level says something like that. Santoro as well, a couple of years ago. And going back to what we were saying before, you know, it's not like we haven't had any doping. You know, when you, when you said that, you know, we've these stories have been around in cycling and and in all other sports and baseball, and it's been proven true. Yeah, but tennis is exactly the same as those sports. I think the stories have always been there. Baseball, in fact, is a bad example because that did ultimately really came at the tail end. You know, there was a lot of talk about it, and then finally it all really blew up in Major League Baseball's face. But in tennis, tennis is a little like I like I assume cycling is from the little I know of it and some of these other sports where there's been a consistent there have been consistent rumors but there have also been consistent suspensions and busts so it's not like there's never been a bust in tennis and everybody's saying well there is doping and now there's going to be a, a way there's not going to be a Mitchell report of, no exactly uh, yeah. no I mean I think there's been a continuity there, there have been rumors and there have been busts there have been rumors and there have been busts all right all right that's uh, our take on that for now and we'll see what uh, what else comes of it uh, check back Monday for another podcast after the Fed Cup final. And like I said, for this weekend, for coverage of the Fed Cup final, we got lots of stuff throughout the site. Tennis.com, here's the podcast with Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner, and Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express, the tennis industry's retailer of the year. For more news and information, head over to Tennis.com. Thanks for listening.